everyone, and welcome back to the Host by Tori Show. I'm so excited to be chatting with you guys today. It has been a whirlwind of a week. Last Thursday, I left for my bachelorette in Palm Springs and then went straight to San Francisco for a work conference and came home late last night. I'm excited to fill you in on more of my bachelorette weekend and time in SF, but this week got away from me with everything going on, so we are keeping it tight. Today, we have Sarah Levy on the podcast. Sarah is the author of Drinking Games, a memoir and essays, where she talks about sobriety, relationships, culture, and identity, and has appeared in countless high-end publications. Sarah was a New Yorker for a good part of her 20s and now lives in Los Angeles. I was thrilled to talk to Sarah to understand more about her sobriety journey and how that has led to where she is now and why she decided to write about it. So what did we talk about? We talked about how Sarah knew the path of sobriety was the right way, what it was like grieving the identity Sarah had when she was drinking, the notion that comes with getting sober, meaning you're unsuccessful, how Sarah has rebranded herself without drinking, the behind the scenes of the book publishing process and marketing tour, and how Sarah wants to position herself as a writer in talking about real things and taboo subject matter. Let's get into it. Sarah, thank you for coming on. I would love first to just start off for those who are not familiar with you and Drinking Games. Can you just tell us a little bit about what the memoir really is about and then also what your goals were in terms of writing this? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Tori. It's really nice to meet you. Um, So for anyone who's not familiar with me or my work, my name's Sarah, and I am a writer and the author of Drinking Games, which is a memoir and essays about my journey to sobriety and a lot of the firsts that I experienced when I got sober. And I break the book down into different topics and areas of my life. Um, So it's not like in chronological order. I talk about wellness, relationships, dating, friendships, uh, career, mental health, and much more. The goal of the book was really to talk about what happens after you stop drinking. I read a lot of books about realizing that you have a drinking problem or how to get sober. Um, And this is not a how-to book. This is not like a um, self-help prescriptive guide. This is sort of like my journal. You know, this is like the first um, four years of my life in sobriety and how alcohol was affecting so many areas of my life and then how the decision to stop drinking also changed everything for me. I really wanted people, specifically young people, to be able to identify and, you know, relate to my experiences in the hopes that it might make someone feel less alone. How did you know that sobriety was the way versus just scaling back? Because you talk about, you know, going to a meeting where people talk about wanting to scale back their drinking and if that's, you know, something that could be sustainable over time. But for you ultimately realizing that alcohol wasn't serving you in a way, the reason why I think this is interesting is because I try to inspire people to lead a life that doesn't have to revolve around alcohol. And effectively, like for me, that's scaling back. It's just not that I personally have ever felt out of control. It just doesn't make me feel as good. And so I'd love to hear the decision there and, and ultimately how you got there. Yeah, absolutely. So I first started kind of reconsidering my relationship with alcohol when I was like 23 or 24. Um, Up until that point, you know, I always partied and drank socially. I definitely was a blackout drinker, Um, but it was just like really normalized. And I didn't think that I needed to like look at that at all. 
And then in my early 20s, like after graduating from college and moving back to New York City, I just started to have some like messier nights and was just really like not feeling great overall. Like was super hungover um, after a night of drinking, felt a lot of regret, felt a lot of shame, felt really anxious and was just sort of like, okay, maybe I need to like scale back the drinking. And I kind of embarked on like the next four to five years of like what I now call like fact finding and like really did a lot of trying to make my drinking work, you know, tried to moderate, tried to drink less. I tried cutting back on, you know, hard liquor, only drinking wine, only drinking beer, juice cleanses, did a lot of workouts, started, you know, went to therapy. Um, And I definitely had periods where it would help. And like, certainly if I went a month without drinking, like I would feel better and then kind of like start again. And it just never worked for me long-term. Like I think I have a very all or nothing personality and it was really hard for me to like find a balance with alcohol that um, allowed me to drink in, in moderation. And so when I ultimately got sober, I had just turned 28. Um, it was, you know, like the week of my birthday. I, um, I just like knew that it, that I needed to be done because I had spent the last few years investigating my my alcohol use and um and yeah had lost a really close friend like she had ended our friendship because of my drinking and you know there were just there were signs that um that it just like really wasn't working for me and I didn't think of it in terms of forever I didn't think like I'm never drinking again I just was like I need to eliminate this from my life for a little while and um and see like see how I feel I think it I think it's interesting on like the the one day realizing and it's not one day right it's like cumulative periods of time that you ultimately realized it but that one day making that decision I find so interesting on like what clicked and and the reason why I'm saying this is because I had heard you had gone through an eating disorder I had in my late teens, early 20s in college. And I remember like one day being like, I'm going to change and I'm going to like fix this and get better. But it was like a culmination of a couple of years of like talking to friends and having people say certain things about getting help and me knowing internally, but not actually wanting to make that decision. And I want to get into the notion that you're an unsuccessful person if you have to ultimately become sober and how we can reframe that. Mm -hmm. But what was the hardest part from for you was it like physically not reaching for the bottle was it the feeling of feeling intoxicated was it having to tell people that you weren't drinking like what would you say was that hardest point and when did ultimately you realize like wait my life has actually changed for a really great reason yeah I I think it was a few things that were really hard I think yes like physically not drinking um for the first month, I would say, I really missed it. I really, I wouldn't say I was having like physical cravings. I mean, I definitely like was eating a lot of candy because they say sugar helps with, with like um, <laughs> when you first stop drinking. Um, but I like emotionally was craving it. Like when I would be out, you know, at like there was, I definitely didn't like go to bars for the sake of going to bars in the very beginning, but there were things, there were events that I didn't want to miss birthdays, Um, like a friend's engagement party was pretty early into my sobriety 
And I would feel myself in those situations wanting to reach for a drink. I think what was also really hard was grieving this idea of who I had been and grieving the identity that I had when I was drinking. You know, I write about this in my book, Drinking Games. Like I thought of myself as this really sophisticated, fun New Yorker when I was drinking, like specifically this image of ordering a dirty martini at like a cool bar on a Thursday night in New York City. Like it was a very big part of how I viewed myself and how I perceived like others were viewing me. And I think, yeah, like to your point, this idea that we're like unsuccessful if we somehow need to get sober, it's like, I really felt like I had failed. I felt like I had to grieve the loss of this like fun identity. And I had no idea what my life was going to look like without drinking. So it was grieving the the loss of what had been and then just like the fear of the unknown and really not knowing like what my dating life would look like what my friendships were going to be how my family was going to react like it was just a lot of uncertainty and on the on the point around the identity and the identity shift I think it can be so difficult as you feel like you know yourself for so long and you have this certain identity but ultimately you're not the same person you were five years ago, 10 years ago, or 20 years ago, and you should allow yourself to evolve over time. And that's something that I've really had to learn. But how would you say that sobriety for you has been a rebrand? You know, you you live in LA now, mm-hmm. and you, you write about like how everyone, when you were kind of going through it, how you had a friend say like everyone in LA is sober, sobriety is, is the cool thing now. And so going through this sobriety over the past five years how would you say that you felt as though your identity of so has changed and how you've rebranded yourself in terms of like how you're feeling how you portray yourself confidence all of those things well I'm certainly open about my sobriety now which I never imagined when I first stopped drinking because I was really ashamed of it so the fact that I am open about being sober has been a rebrand like I went from the girl who was always down to take tequila shots and always down to go out like no matter what night of the week it was to the girl like the sober girl so that has certainly been a shift you know my life just changed when I stopped drinking and continued to change so I was single when I got sober I'm married now I lived in New York City when I stopped drinking I lived in LA I live in LA now I changed career paths I was working in marketing I think and, and obviously now I'm a writer. I think just like the common thread is I was able to, without alcohol and without like so much of the noise that alcohol created for me, I have been able to figure out who I actually am and be honest with myself about what I really want. I think when I was drinking and living in New York, like I was always distracted and it's very easy to run away from yourself in a big city, especially in New York. Like I would leave my apartment, you know, in the morning, do like a seven o'clock workout class, go to work straight from there, be in the office all day, go to drinks after work, go to dinner after, get home at like 1030, sleep, and then wake up and do it all over again yeah, the next it's day. A different like life. Was, it's a different life. Like I was rarely alone. And I loved it. Like I would have told you at the time, like I love living in New York and I do, I love New York, 
but the pace and the way that I personally was living and like using the city to kind of hide from myself was like unsustainable. And I think today, like I've rebranded because I just spend more time by myself. Like I go on long walks. Like it's very LA, right? Like I go for hikes. I am more intentional with like the people that I see and just the ways that I spend my time. I'm not necessarily like making dinner plans every single night of the week just to be social. I'm like more intentional with how, you know, and who I want to actually go out of my way to see. And I think a lot of that is a function of getting older. And also I think like being in quarantine for two years, like changed a lot of people's patterns. Um, And so there's that, but I, but I do really think that, you know, the biggest rebrand for me in sobriety has just been like becoming a more authentic version of myself and um, not being afraid of that. When you talk about values and and thinking about what you stand for, I feel like that's really interesting because for so long you're surrounded by people who are effectively like making you who you are. And when you, your social surroundings and your job and, you know, who you went to college with, Mm -hmm. um, and as you grow up and, and move away from some of those things, move away from the day-to-day of New York, you move away from drinking as much, you move away from different friends you have to figure out who you are and what you stand for. And that's something that I feel like I'm continuing to figure out. And so, you know, you talk about thinking about this a lot more and, and spending more time with yourself. Like, what would you say are those things, your your values and like what you stand for as a person? It's funny. I was just talking about this with someone today, how still like even after doing all this work and like writing this essay in my book about having a perspective and working on that, like I can still f- find myself like when I'm in conversation with someone who is who seems really knowledgeable about something or who's really certain or confident I'll be like oh they must just they know more than me and like that must be the right thing to think so if I really still have to um catch myself in those moments I think the thing that I find myself saying a lot is just like I don't know what I don't know and having like humility and curiosity to be honest about that, like I am often in conversations where I don't know what's best or I don't necessarily know what my opinion on something is. Certainly like changing career paths, like there was a a learning curve. Like I had been working in marketing and then was, you know, wanted to pursue writing and learning about the publishing industry and having an agent and an editor. Like there were so many conversations where I was like, I don't know, like what do you guys think is best? And um, I think it's just been getting into a practice of asking questions, you know, my, my values are like, I'm curious. I, I don't know something that's okay. I'm not, uh, I'm not afraid to ask someone who has, you know, more information, like what they think. And I like to collect information and then form an opinion from there yeah. instead of like faking it or just like taking, borrowing someone else's opinion, which I did a lot of before. And I think that's, normal right i think like we all i don't know maybe not everyone does that maybe like some people are like more comfortable just like in the gray but i think you know for me like i said being having kind of like a all or nothing like black and white personality was very uncomfortable for me often to admit that like i didn't know something and you talk about the the book publishing process which i i want to hit on because you talk about when you want to or what i've heard is 
you say is that you were in marketing and had really loved writing, had journaled during the period of drinking more, you had kind of gotten away from that and sobriety were starting to get back into journaling and decided that you wanted to end up writing this book. So did you end up pitching this to someone? How did you get your name out there? Can you kind of talk us through the process? Yeah. So I started freelance writing when I was still in my marketing job and was really just doing it for fun and like as a creative outlet and got very lucky. I wrote essays for some big publications early on. Um, I wrote my first essay was for The Cut. I wrote something for The New York Times about staying sober during wedding season um, and just was really enjoying it and started to think more seriously about like, can, could I actually do this? You know, and I had always wanted to write a book and really always thought that I would write fiction, but had always like read memoirs and essay collections and really gravitated towards that genre as well. And, you know, I just started to think like, maybe I could write a book, like maybe I can actually do it. Like I've stayed sober. Maybe I can do anything, you know, if I cannot drink, like I feel like I can do other things too. And I ended up connecting with a literary agent while I was still working full time, loved her just immediately like connected with her. And she was, you know, very interested in like reading pages, you know, or like for um, nonfiction, you typically start with a proposal, which is different than fiction with a fiction manuscript, especially for like a first time author, you need to write the full manuscript and then your agent will take that out to publishers and that's what you sell. With nonfiction, you can sell the idea, which is like a, in a proposal format. So yep. it's basically like an outline and partial essays, like a sample of what the book will look like. And so I started working on that with my agent. And from there, we you know refined the proposal. And then what typically happens is your agent will take the proposal out to different editors at different um, publishing houses and we sold the book that way and yeah it was like a process that I had never gone through it was like a lot it was at that point we were in the pandemic so everything was over zoom when I was like meeting with editors and you know it's like you want to make the right choice you want to go with the right publisher and I just really relied on my gut a lot through those conversations and I worked with an amazing editor named Sally Lotz at St. Martin's Press. And she just I immediately like could feel her passion for the project. And yeah, I feel very grateful that it went that way. And so it came out in early Jan, right? Yes. Right. And you've been traveling all over the country and doing podcasts and um, I'm sure going to like bookstores and meeting with a ton of different folks. And so can you talk us a little bit about like the PR process after? Because I'm sure, you know, this started probably like 2020, 2021. It's coming out in Jan 2023. It's a very long editing process, I'm sure. And it's finally out in the world. And then you have to go and do a bunch of PR with it, which I'm sure has been super validating and fun. But I'm very interested in like the selling of the book and connecting with people and, and getting the the word out there? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's like a, a totally different aspect to the whole book process. So, you know, the first 
the last like almost two years since I sold the book and then writing it, it's like a very cozy little world that you're in, right? It's almost like I mean, so many people liken it to having a baby. So like, I'll just use that. I'll just borrow that metaphor. But it's like, <laughs> right, you're like nesting. You're you're just like, it's you and your computer and your editor. And like, it's super intimate. And then um, the baby is born. The book like comes into the world. And it's like, oh my God, it's real, right? Like you're um, you're suddenly like thrust into just like different scenarios. Um, and... I, again, didn't know anything about the process. I was really fortunate that St. Martin's Press has like an in-house team. So an amazing head of marketing um, and publicist who were, you know, on my team and just like did an amazing job with getting the word out um, and helping to secure coverage. And yeah, I just don't know. I know people who self-publish and I, I just like tip my hat to those people because I just don't know how, what it would look like to just like really do it all on your own. I'm super grateful that I had a team of amazing women who, you know, believed in the book and were, were just like instrumental in helping me get it out into the world. And yeah, you know, as a writer, I think like, I'll just speak for myself. Like I am an introverted extrovert. Like I like being home. I like being by myself, which is something I learned about myself when I got sober. I always thought of myself as like super outgoing and love to go out and love to be around people. And I enjoy being around people, but I need time to recharge afterwards. And so the the last couple of months have been just very different from what my life looked like while I was writing the book and that I was on tour, which was amazing. And got to do a lot of events and meet people who were reading the book, which was just like the coolest thing ever. But it's a lot, you know, being on and like, just thinking about how, how am I presenting myself? Like, what do I wear? What do I do with my hair? How do I sound? Like, what talking points do I want to hit? What do I want to make sure everyone knows about the book? And especially when it's, you know, it's memoir, it's nonfiction, it's really personal. It's a little like surreal and out of body to be in these situations talking about the book when these things like really happened to me yeah and I think you know at this point I've been sober five and a half years a lot of the things that I write about in the book from pre-sobriety were 10 almost like some 10 plus years ago some of the things I write about I have a good amount of emotional distance from a lot of the the events in the book so it wasn't necessarily like triggering or um difficult to like revisit those experiences or like I wouldn't have written about them but it's definitely a different beast to be like out in in the world and I have so much respect for like actors and hosts and people who are just on you know every single day because it's definitely hard and I'm very excited to be like back with my laptop and like just writing again but I loved it and I feel really grateful for the reception that the book has gotten and people have loved just like especially meeting young really like young women who have been like connecting with the book has been awesome. That's great. You know, you talked about making this career shift from marketing to now a writer. You had your first you have your first book out. Um and you know, we kind of talked about defining yourself and rebranding. Do you see yourself writing 
being known as like the author who writes about drinking and sobriety or do you see yourself as going into fiction going into other topics like where are you looking to position yourself as a writer going forward because obviously there's been a ton of um, really great feedback on the book from what I've seen so far it's resonated with a ton of people it's now getting into a time that uh, normalizing a lifestyle that doesn't have to revolve around alcohol is becoming more and more mainstream in such a good way I kind of think about it in terms of like how therapy is now much more normalized and mm-hmm. which is great and I'm sure a lot of people who um, were doing it five to ten years ago didn't feel that support and kind of same thing I think as like sobriety or sober curi- curiosity is is now going in the direction too but where do you see your writing going from here I love that question thank you for asking that um I see myself as a writer who isn't afraid to talk about real things like taboo subject matter. I do see myself writing fiction next um, and continuing to freelance and and write nonfiction as well. Um, I don't necessarily see myself as a writer who only talks about sobriety. Um, I think that, you know, alcohol use and anxiety and relationships and identity, like will all find their way into my future work. And that's like my beat, you know, so to speak. But I really am just drawn to writing about experiences that are real, you know, like that's always been, those were always the books that like had the biggest impact on me. Like growing up, I read a ton of YA and just like loved those books, like loved how they dug into relationships and breakups and eating disorders and friendship and just like real stuff that I felt like no one else was talking about. And yeah, I just like want to continue telling those stories and think like this, my first book, this debut, having it be memoir is like such an honor and such a privilege. Like the fact that people are interested in things that happened to me and my story is really wild. Like I, wrote this book with no platform. I'm not an influencer. I'm not a celebrity. Like writing memoir, I think is, has been, was, was very humbling and, and continues to be so. And I'm excited to like venture into fiction next and be able to just like keep being creative and, and play and like go in different directions with my writing. That's awesome. I'm excited for you. Thanks. And I think it's also just like the whole thing about sobriety is like, you know, I, I, we can do anything. Like, it's like, we'll see how, how my attempt at fiction writing goes. Right. But, but the point is, is like, I really want to try. And that's something that I didn't have really the confidence or like the discipline to attempt when I was drinking. Totally. I feel like the piece of sobriety extends so much more into other aspects of your life beyond the drinking. It's kind of crazy to think back and think about everything you have been able to accomplish um, from making that one change and how that's extended into into so many other things. So I want to end on some rapid fire. So this is the Host by Tori show, and I like to reimagine how we host because I've I think of a lot of people have felt as though when you host and get people together, alcohol is the main thing, and I don't want to make alcohol the main thing. And so um, if someone had to describe your hosting style in one word, what would it be? Love that question. Comfortable? I like that. I like you to, want people to feel like yeah, you know, I good like to, to make, be there. Exactly. I like to make people feel at home. I have to say, 
my husband is like the host in our relationship. He's an amazing cook. He loves having people over. Um, I am much more laid back. Like I'm like, yeah, come over. Like we can order food and like sit on my couch. Um, (laughs) so I would say like comfortable. And then like, he really elevates that because he's like, yeah, sure. Let's have people be comfortable and like, I'll cook for them. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. Yeah. What is your favorite drink? Favorite, like, caffeinated beverage, because it's like that's where my mind goes, is like an iced matcha latte. Yum. Um, and then at night, I honestly just like love a sparkling water with like a splash of something, maybe lemon, grapefruit. I'm like a real purist in that sense. Are you like a LaCroix, a Perrier, a Pellegrino? Thank you for asking. Yeah. It's important. Important questions. It's important. I am a Perrier and Topo Chico. And sometimes like a a grapefruit spindrift. Okay. I have heard, and I need to do a taste test, but from my sources who are deep into the sparkling water world, Perrier is supposed to be the best. But most people who drink Perrier don't really dabble in Topo Chico just because it hasn't been as accessible to them. Mm. But in... Texas, it's everywhere. I think yeah. in California, it's probably like way more mainstream. Yeah. Um, but those are those are the best. Perrier is superior. It's just like yeah. it, it has a lot of bubbles. Like Pellegrino just exactly. doesn't hit the same way. It doesn't have enough bubble for me. So yeah, you should do a taste test. I'm interested to hear your I thoughts. Know I want to. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite type of get together? I love like a cheese charcuterie board like hang at home maybe there's a fire going and just like good conversation I love that vibe so much I love a fire yeah um do you and then last one do you prefer to host or be hosted I like to be hosted taken care of felt comfortable yeah all that and not have to clean up like i and when you're, you know, you want to be a good host, you're like, don't worry about it. Like, we got it. But then, like, you have to Everyone do it leaves, leave. and then you look at the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so totally. my husband definitely loves to host, and I like to be hosted. Amazing. All right, Sarah, tell us where we can find you, how we can support drinking games, social handles, whatever's best. Yeah, so drinking games is out in the world. It's available wherever books are sold. You can get it online on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at your local independent bookstore. Um, you can find more information on my website, sarahllevy.com, and find me on Instagram, also sarahllevy. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. As you know, I am not a specialist and I'm not trained to give advice whatsoever. These are just my own personal thoughts and conversations. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the show if you can. It helps so, so much. And feel free to find me on social channels, post by Tori. See ya!